Hi, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Black Brew. I'm Aaron. And I'm, I'm Terry. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm wait. I'm wait. Let's, let's try that again. Um, let's just go in alphabetical order. I'm Aaron. I'm Josh. And I'm Terry. Perfect. He trust nigga to do anything. All right, y'all. So we got three topics for you today. The first topic we're going to be talking about is Ron DeSantis' reign across Florida, banning gay people, banning curriculum, banning uh, everything that is good in America. Um, he is banning it. So we'll get into that because he also, uh, in addition to banning um, African American studies, there was something else that he. He's, he banned um, queer um, the introduction of queer studies, um, police dis- um, dissolving the police, and Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. He's also attacking higher education. Okay, second, we're going to talk about uh, the unfortunate, tragic murder of Tyree Nichols, who was just one of many in the last couple of weeks Black people who were killed by the police. I mean, we don't even have to just talk about Tyree. Oh God, we don't have to just talk about Tyree Nichols. We can talk about Tyree Nichols and um, uh, Kanan Anderson and more people as well. Um, So we'll talk about police brutality in America, the same shit we've been talking about for years now. And then originally we're gonna talk about therapy, but since the Grammys had such an interesting night last night, we have to talk about the Grammys, or as Terry calls them, the scammies. Mm-hmm. Tell you something. Some people were scammed last night. So, Terry, Josh. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Let's get to some political tea. <laughs> Shall we? Okay, let me start my timer. Um, okay, so... Um, for everybody who is listening, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, that state, um, he has banned some things. So College Board released a kind of like pilot-ish program for a new AP course called AP African American Studies, which had a bunch of African American history, African American culture, African American art, a bunch of shit like that. Well, you as you know, how the Republican Party is already trying to like ban CRT and quote CRT and then um oh I know what the other thing was he literally restructured the entire new college of Florida got rid of mm-hmm. all these people put in Christian Christopher Rufo and he he's done a bunch of stuff but we have some clips for you to listen to um so that you can kind of get a <clears throat> uh, um uh, you can listen to this and you can see here for yourself it's cool on Black history, what are one of, what's one of the lessons about queer theory? Now, who would say that an important part of Black history is queer theory? That is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids. And so when you look to see they have stuff about intersectionality, abolishing prisons, that's a political agenda. And so we're on, that's the wrong side of the line for Florida standards. We believe in teaching kids uh, facts and how to think, but we don't believe they should have an agenda imposed on them. When you try to use Black history to shoehorn in queer theory, uh, you are clearly trying to use that uh, for political purposes. 
aggressive. That's what he said at one of his press conferences. And then I got another clip for you about something else that he said at a press conference. This might be the wrong one. That um, sports parts have been listed as concerning is a topic of movement for Black lives. Can you describe what about that is concerning that some people are calling? Is that with the abolishing prisons? Is that part of the... So if you read actually what's in there, they're advocating things like abolishing prisons. Now, now that's a that's a radical political position. You're free to take that in your own life. I don't think very many people would think that that would actually work. Um, but how is that being taught as fact to be able uh, to do that? And I also think it's not fair to say that somehow abolishing prisons is somehow linked to like black experience, that that's what black people want. I don't think that's true at all. I think they want law and order, just like anybody else wants law and order. So that is more of ideology being used under the guise of history. And we want to do uh, history. And that's what our standards for, for black history are. It's just cut and dried history. You learn all the basics. You learn about the great figures. And, you know, I view it as American history. I don't view it as separate history. You know, we have history, it, a lot of different shapes and sizes, people that have participated uh, to make the country great, uh, people that have stood up when it wasn't easy, and they all deserve uh, uh, to be taught. But abolishing prisons, being taught to high school kids, as if that's somehow a fact? No, that, that's that's not appropriate. All right. So in addition hmm. to, you know, a, like I said, AP African-American studies, um, there's a college in Florida called the New College of Florida. It was one of like, it was pretty much a gay school. Like it was the gay school. Um, having a queer identity was very important to the admission and the board of trustees and like the students there, a lot of them are queer and, um, they obviously were taught things that were pretty, you know, progressive, um, critical. To add to that, New College was constructed in its earlier days as a school to implement not only integration of different racial groups, but the whole philosophy behind the college was to create an environment where diversity can thrive and aid in academic excellence. So what happened was Ron DeSantis decided that he was going to pretty much fire everyone on the board of trustees at that college, hire his entire new board of trustees. And one of the people who is on that board is Christopher Rufo. And if you don't know who that is, that is the man who admitted, publicly admitted to helping the Republican Party create a wedge ish issue of critical race theory and wokeness as being the, you know, the thing that Amer is destroying America. So he is on that board of trustees. They're restructuring the entire college. He's getting rid of their office of diversity and inclusion because he said, he quote, he said that diversity and inclusion is actually divisive to America. So how do y'all feel about Ron DeSantis and his reign over Florida right now? <laughs> well, my opinion is that he's a terrible person who clearly doesn't know what the hell he's talking about and is just pushing a white conservative agenda. And it's ironic that he keeps saying that we're adding agendas to the education when literally he's priming the educational field in a whole structure of agenda. And like the audacity, the audacity to stand one represent a state that is a large percentage black and mixed and state to the world that diversity and inclusion is dividing the country as if 
we would sing kumbaya with each other if we did not promote embracing that people are different. And I'm like, that worked really well during slavery and segregation, didn't it, Ron DeSantis? And also, like, does he have the legal jurisdiction to go to a college and tell them how to completely run it? Yes. It was state-funded, yeah. It's a public university, and yeah. like, the trustees are all like based like the, you. This Department of Education, like they're a f- publicly funded public university, so it falls under the Department of Education of Florida. G- Governor K. Ivy signed our diplomas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate that. I'm just gonna say, I had a controversial take, not because I'm siding with DeSantis. I, I, me and my parents talk about this all the time. My siblings' current education, because my mom's always like well, their schools aren't teaching them this and how are they going to learn? I'm like, there's some things I don't want teachers teaching my kids, nor will they because I'm going to homeschool. But I think that's an area, inclusivity and about certain aspects of like sexuality and stuff. I don't want my school teaching. I don't want schools teaching kids that. Not because I'm like, oh, they shouldn't learn, but because I don't trust the educator at large to not include their own personal biasness. So if they're going to teach it, I'd rather parents teach it. But I do think the school should be able to provide with their funding some type of resources to help parents. But I don't think necessarily at a large that the school My, should be introducing something into doing that. If you want your, if you truly, oh sorry, go ahead. As a publicly funded educator, um, my contort <laughs> against that is um, when you leave it up to parents who are, okay, one, teachers are professionals. We are professional educators. We are professionals at access of information and sharing information that is not only backed by the state, but should be backed also by historical and peer-reviewed sourcing. Anything that would be taught in a classroom would have to be by state and federal government standards, period. That is what's happening in classrooms. If a teacher was to divulge away from that, there would be heavily reprimanded because it's illegal. Our jobs is to teach the standards and information that is legally permissible within those standards. And I feel more comfortable with students being educated by a professional who understands human sexuality, who understands race, diversity, and race history then let's say some hick that lives in Coleman County and lives in a trailer and hasn't had a higher education or literacy rate than a fourth grader (laughs) teaching their children their opinion on things they are poorly educated about. Because we must remember children are not property, they're humans, and they deserve the right to all access of information and correct access to information, non-biased access to information. Um, I understand that guttural response, uh, re- reflex, but it's rooted in the American idea that one children are property, not people. And they're property of their parents. Like at the end of the day, parents are entitled to their kids as they see fit. But I also think the, it's kind of ignorant to assume that parents that don't want their children in a public system are uneducated. Yes, for the most part in certain states, and that's your option to live where you I'm not live. talking about homeschooling. I'm talking about those areas being purely left to parents has proven to be an ill approach. It also, I mean, 
how many decades has have we went before sex ed, sexuality, and gender studies? Think about the rates of HIV, the rates of syphilis and gonorrhea, the the rates of unprotected sex, teen pregnancy, the introduction of these programs and educational uh, educational curricula being added to the educational systems has helped dramatically drop a lot of these problems because they're being informed by a professional. It's the difference of saying, yeah, I mean, yes, in America, by legal standards, we treat children like property, but it is inherently unethical. So I'm approaching this from an ethical standpoint. Um, um, I respect your right for that. I, I would rather fall on the side of the unethical in this category. Can I but... say okay, let me can I say something as okay as someone because this this is obviously they're not talking about um uh K through 12 school, they're talking about a college right now, and then like the AP program, while it is in a K through 12 school, yeah. it obviously is like for a college credit. All of this stuff that can for the listeners, obviously, I'm a higher education worker, I teach college, and also I research and teach and write about critical race theory so if you're out there i'm a critical race theorist bitch anyway all of this stuff that is happening right now is something of a larger issue which i feel like is really not being like as talked about as much and that is just like straight up fascism because when we get to a point now where we have and i know he is the governor of florida and like he works he has a state department of education they and they get to ultimately like kind of make the rules of education but when you have him coming out here and like blatantly lying about like history and then you have someone who's aligning himself with someone who like actually has a political agenda and who has like publicly said my political agenda is to lie about critical race theory to get republicans elected to office this is just a whole fucking series of events to get like republican the conservatives to hash out their fascist agenda to stop people from having trans kids stop people from learning about black mm -hmm. people besides you know slavery and it's usually a whitewashed version of slavery so all of this stuff that's happening it's literally just them trying to disguise this they they try to paint this narrative that like oh you know you're you're a parent and you have you know um you should you you have a right to like know what like you should have a right to decide what your, your, your what your child is taught but at the same time, we have people who have no actual qualifications to be in a classroom trying to decide what is mm -hmm. the curriculum for a school. And I feel like if you want to like have your your child have some special kind of education where they don't actually get to like learn and I'm and public education is obviously it has its flaws. But like if you don't want your children, I feel like at this point. Put them in private school or homeschool them because mm -hmm. the way that people are currently messing up and fucking with public education, it should really scare people. It should like this, this is this question. This is all connected to the direct attack on education that has been ongoing. The and as a professional who is working in education, the these people are not just like attacking CRT and whatever. What they're doing is demuting de, Diminitizing or diminishing the professionalism of the art of teaching itself. It is saying parents know more than teachers in the realm of educating, information access, and access to peer-reviewed information. And I, I think that's kind of where I was coming from with that, Terry. 
is that there is a whole lot of hearsay about worry about, oh, what is the teachers teaching the kids? And all that is rooted in this somehow we have convinced ourselves that teachers are not professionals that work by a standard. There are bad teachers out there, yes. Yes. But a lot of education has been reformed in the last 20 years in a dramatic way that we haven't even got to see because we graduated before seeing it. For example, the standards for Alabama teachers to be teachers is way higher than it ever was before. And some of our teaching curriculum styles have increased in like effectiveness higher than other states. And those new teachers are the ones who are having to deal with this because they're the ones who had to go through those standards and those hoops to get where they are. And as someone who's been exposed to curricula and having to follow state standards, like there is no real room for me to be like, I mean, if I inject my bias, it's going to be found out real quick. It's going to be found out real quick. And when that is done, there should be a system to reprimand that teacher for that. But in the moment, what we're experiencing is the dismantling of the educational system. It's being delegitimatized. What was and it's being turned into a political well, battle. I have a question. What do you think the full outcome is? Do you think, and I, I'm asking this one hypothetically because I have two answers on it myself. Do you think eventually we're going to go back to, at least at the current rate, two parents just simply putting their kids out of public school? And just either homeschooling or private schooling or co-op schooling if this continues yeah what is being done is the promotion of the voucher and private school system so that these political figures and figures with high money would be in control curriculum as well as control of one the student to jail pipeline and other problematic aspects of society they if anything they are trying to cut us who are the working class and middle class from having access to accurate information, true knowledge of the world and ourselves. And when they do that, they inhibit us from growing past our where we're born at and to perpetuate us as workers. Because that's the threat right now for the upper class is not enough workers, too many people educated, and not enough people doing the dirty work. Yeah. And if no one's doing the dirty we work, have a, we have a labor money. shortage, which I, I'm always the person who's like, I, I'm, I do say this one very controversially it's like i do think that we do need to be guiding some ch- i think every child should have opportunity to go to higher education but i do think that we focus so much on higher education for every child including kids who might not need it that we forgot to tell kids they can be make just as well the income being labor workers but i don't think it's something that should be forced on them per se okay i have mm-hmm. a i have an answer to your to your question because if you look at if you look at history i feel like so we're already at a point right now in America, where several states, several school systems, they have de facto school segregation. I at the rate that at the rate of how Republicans and conservatives how they're legislating across this country right now, we are moving inches towards like full on fucking segregation. Like at this point, the way that they're treating trans people and other people and Jewish people, the way like we are moving straight up towards uh segregation so the fact that we have de facto school segregation right now and they are currently trying to stop us from learning about actual real fucking history about black history queer history all of this stuff and they're obviously have a capitalist agenda as well which is to promote uh school vouchers and charter schools and shit like that i feel like we are about to probably see another instance of 
and this is going to be mostly probably based on class, but also it's going to have a racialized element to it as well, where you're going to have to start having like participatory communities and community schools that people like then in like the era of like civil rights and uh, black power when like they this uh, uh, segregated schools and they like desegregated them and like people obviously white people got mad when schools got desegregated so they said well we're going to close down all of these fucking schools so what i think is going to happen is like eventually we're going to a point where public schools are going to be closed down and your only option is going to be a private school or a school voucher and obviously there are going to be people who cannot afford that and so we're going to have to look mm -hmm. towards our communities to be able to educate people i feel like that is the role that we're heading down right now if you just look at it from a racial uh, racial capitalism perspective that's where we're heading right now so, and obviously, at the very least, the public schools and to, will be and only to, filled with minorities. And to put a pin on it, let me remind y'all about in terms of questioning teacher qualifications. It was the GOP, it was the Republican Party who lied and said that they were teaching critical race theory in K through 12 schools there. Mm -hmm. Which they're not at all. Yeah, they shouldn't. They're, <laughs> and they're conflating diversity and Breadth and liberal breadth, liberal as in like the traditional liberal arts standard, breadth education with CRT. They're not attacking CRT. They're, They're just using that as a code word, um, as a dog whistle for we're getting rid of anything that deals with anyone that's not white and not straight. I have another video for y'all to listen to um, before we wrap up this first topic. Um, so take a listen at this. In the fall of 1964, a small college in Sarasota, Florida, opened its doors to its very first class of 100 students. It was named New College, and a big part of the school's mission was to be inclusive by adopting an open admissions program that wouldn't discriminate based on race, creed, national origin, or cultural status. It was a novelty in a state that was once part of the slave-owning Confederacy. Today, New College of Florida ranks number three in the Princeton Review of public colleges and universities that make an impact in the community. The school only has about 700 students, many of whom identify as non-heterosexual. In fact, that's one of the specifically inclusive things about the college. Students get to decide their gender identity without judgment in the state of Florida. You probably see where this is going. New College of Florida has become the new target of Governor Ron DeSantis and his culture war. He thinks that because the school is funded by state taxpayers, the school ought to have a conservative identity, a conservative Christian identity, which is not what it has had or has ever had. And to carry out this mission, Governor DeSantis has appointed six new members to the new college's board of trustees, including Christopher Rufo, a conservative activist who has led the battle against critical race theory in public schools across the U.S., and Matthew Spaulding, the dean of Hillsdale College, a conservative Christian school that is serving as a model for DeSantis's plan to take over higher education in the state of Florida. These men, along with four others of DeSantis's picks, now make up the majority of the board of New College, and they are not wasting any time. This afternoon, they held their very first official meeting, but before it even started, the end game was clear. Uh, the legislature has agreed to authorize immediately $15 million for New College for recruiting new faculty, and for scholarships uh, for students. And so you're gonna have a situation where you're gonna be able to go out, recruit people to come, say, hey, here's the mission, 
Here's what we're looking to do. I mean, you have people asking, how do I apply? That money, the $15 million the governor was talking about, that is to hire new faculty for new college. In that same event, Governor DeSantis announced new reforms for higher education in Florida, ones that will eliminate diversity, equity, and inclusion, and critical race theory, and make sure that, quote, core courses are rooted in Western tradition. Sitting next to Governor DeSantis was Christopher Rufo, who just hours later carried out the governor's mandate by immediately calling for the abolition of the new college office for outreach and inclusive excellence. Rufo claims that diversity divides people. One of the items that we discussed, that I discussed today with Governor DeSantis and with legislators present is that diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, which sounds great, but in practice uh, divides people and offers separate judgments on the basis of race and identity. My opinion does matter, actually, unfortunately for you. My opinion. All right, so to wrap this up, one final question for y'all, I guess maybe two final questions is, I guess no one actual final question, if this is what Republicans and conservatives and right-wing people are doing in Florida right now, where the fuck are the progressives? In their states, respectively. Creating areas where people will be leaving these states to go to. The, are you talking about the ones in... I'm talking about the ones in Florida. I feel like a lot of them, they do try to do grassroots efforts. Like You see on Twitter, like people talk about small groups... But I think they're realizing there's a turn now where maybe it's better to build up in states where your ideologies are valued instead I, of Florida, which is clearly I, like... I oh, hope God. that's not the case. I, I truly hope that they are not about to be like, let me throw in the towel and quit and leave these people out here to hang and dry and be in a horrible situation. I think Aaron's talking about like... um the heads of the progressive parties, like um, oh, okay, oh, yeah. about the, not, not, not the layman. I thought about constituents. No, 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 no. The the polit- What are the progressive politicians in Florida? I don't know, but it seems like there's nobody who really. And I say this as someone who I do lean more conservative. I'm very vocal about this, but I do think it is kind of eerie that you haven't that we haven't seen many progressives speak out who are like in the state, and I'm wondering what the next step is going to be. Or if they're just choosing to pick and choose and wait until near election time to speak up, but by then I think it's going to be too it's going to be too late because uh-huh. there's a trend of dragging your feet. I remember my final question, y'all. So obviously, Ron DeSantis, without a doubt, is running for president of 2024. Knowing this, and people have been saying that all the stuff that he is doing in Florida right now is the blueprint for what's going to happen for the to the rest of the country. Y'all agree or disagree? Oh, I agree. I disagree. The the fact that Trump has also came out making similar statements about diversity and um, sexuality and gender diversity issues, um, it seems to be the the top rank go-to for the Republicans in this upcoming running. Um, They'll be pitting against each other, basically, to prove who's going to be the most bigoted. To draw the most attention <laughs> from the Republican Party, um, and it's kind of scary. I feel like Ron DeSantis is trying to pull as many people away from the MAGA rally onto his side, and it seems like the the Conservative Party has looked at this particular 
demographic of voters and said they're going to be the ones that make sure we win. And they are completely appealing to everything these people want. And it's insane. All right. All right. Let's move on to our next topic. So um, we this, this is not the only person, obviously, who has been murdered by police recently, but it is one that stands out and it's the most recent of the ones that we we uh, that America has seen. Um, one that really affected me was Keenan Anderson, who was a English teacher and he was murdered just for needing like roadside assistance. But on January 7th, 2023, this year, five black police officers of the Memphis Police Department uh, severely beat Tyree Nichols, a 29-year-old black man, during a traffic stop. He was later hospitalized in critical condition, and then he died three days later. The officers claimed that they stopped Nichols for reckless driving, and then later video footage came out showing them that they had pepper sprayed him, tased him, and beat him literally to fucking death. So... We're having the same kinds of conversation. I would just like to point out to people that while we're having this kind of conversation, that your president, Joe Biden, uh, in his like inaugural speech, and his anytime he has addressed the, the public about defunding the police, he said, we are not defunding the police. We're getting giving more funding. And he has committed almost five million or billion, I think it's million dollars to uh, funding towards law enforcement. So after all these people recently in the in in January, I guess January was like let's kill black people month. Um, how do y'all feel about police? I mean, there was the English teacher. There was also the environmental activist, uh, who the Venezuelan environmental activist who was uh, trying to stop Cop City from happening in Atlanta, Georgia, who was killed by a state trooper. So, how do y'all feel about police brutality, reforming the police, defunding the police? What say you? Don't everybody go at once. Um, um, I guess I can answer. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I kind of Terry have room to talk. Oh, thank you, Josh. <laughs> um, I don't want to completely abolish the police as someone who has had both good and bad bad interactions with police, only because I, I am more. If we had more of a public understanding and community where I would trust everybody, I would say defund the police but i do think there are some good cops unfortunately the majority are not and that's why the opinions of police are so downturned however this whole tyree thing really freaking pissed me off because and i don't know if y'all have the same view on it it pissed me off how fast they were to get these men charged and removed when it was all these black officers but in previous incidents we had to go through a whole public outpouring to get any form of justice and on one hand, I want to be hopeful, be like, well, this is the result of that, of like them listening to the public. But another part of me feels like there is, and I hate when people do this, but like I do feel like race played a big part into why these cops were arrested and charged so swiftly. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I read an article at one point where um, I think it was in that book that we were reading at one point, Aaron, Which where book? an Asian, I can't remember, it was a uh, it was um, becoming abolitionist. Yes, where she was discussing how in New York City, you know, there was an Asian um, Asian officer who did a similar thing, and they were very swift with engaging him, but it was all at the expense of him being Asian, while completely ignoring the the similar instances with the white police. 
um, it's easier to come for the people of color because one, they feel like it's reinstating their point of view. It's like, oh, this isn't a race thing. When, no, it still is. Um, as a person who has a brother in the police force who's quickly learning how problematic his job really is, like they train and brainwash their police officers of color to also view their own people in a very hostile way. Um, I, I personally think that we need to completely demolish our current judicial system when it comes to the way it operates and recreate a new one. And this is not reform. This is not defunding. This is making something new because the inherent practices practiced by our policing standards <clears throat> is not, it is not following the spirit of our constitution and our laws, which is we are all innocent until proven guilty. And it promotes not rehabilitation. And um, what, what is that kind of type of justice that you say all the time, Aaron? What is it called? There are two restorative. There's restorative and transformative. Restorative or transformative. All, all that they're doing is we punish them, we get money from it, we mm -hmm. put them back into the similar situations knowing that the environmental pressures will push people to do crime again to restate the cycle. It's it's a and giant we, money scheme. And we, and we charge them or add more charges all along the way if they can't abide by the standards. Mm -hmm. And we all know crime arises. Deviancy in law and deviancy in general typically rises because needs and resources cannot be met by certain people through the system set down. It is a game that is already rigged for certain groups of people to fail or to not get what they need. And humans are going to do what they do to get what they need. People do not resort to bad things. And we're talking about normal-minded people who are not mentally ill. Um, they resort to horrible choices because they're put in horrible situations. So, so and policing does, does not solve the root of the problem. It only antagonizes and inflames the infection. So everybody out there, y'all know that I'm obviously writing, I'm writing a whole ass dissertation on abolishing the police. And that's where I stand right now, that I think the entire prison industrial complex, which includes policing, is an inherently violent white supremacist capitalist system that is not a broken system, but a system that's working just as it's supposed to, which is to terrorize, surveil, and murder uh, people of color, poor people, disabled people, all different kinds of people who do not fit the mainstream white, cis, able-bodied norm. So that's just that, putting that out there right there. Um, in terms, as all of these people that we have seen, uh, both of the people, both of the Black men who got killed, uh, who were murdered by cops, they were pulled over for, like, traffic-related things. The first one was that, like, he allegedly, like... Um, he like allegedly hit something or something and he had a he needed he needed like roadside assistance and he like ran across the road or some shit like that and he tried to you know wave down police to get help and then the second one they said that he was like reckless driving like swerving from lane to lane so these are instances where like to think about the fact that like we we got from swerving and lanes recklessly to okay at this point i need to murder you and I think the issue that I have with people um, who 
support uh, and wanting to continue to fund the police is is the fact that policing does not prevent or stop crime at all. And in fact, policing is just another way for state-sanctioned violence to happen. And so for me, I'm like, no, we need to abolish the police. We need to abolish prisons. We need to abolish surveillance. We need to abolish anything that is remotely carceral because it is all violence. And I don't think that we should be responding to in these instances, these weren't even like this isn't this wasn't even fucking violence to begin with. Someone might argue that the I can't remember his name. I just know that or not sorry, not he, their name because they're non-binary. The Venezuelan protester in Atlanta protesting protesting Cop City, they allegedly like shot a gun at a state trooper because the police came and like raided their protest. And this is why I'm like also abolish prisons because if someone commits an act of violence, I don't understand why we need to be living in a country where we need to respond to violence with more violence and just recreate cycles of violence, which is why, why I like support kinds of uh, approaches that are grounded in like restorative and transformative justice. So I feel like when we can stop, <laughs> we can, we can, when we can stop with the fucking propaganda and stop with police are actually out here solving crime because they are literally not, then we can probably move forward to a place where we can start abolition by defunding the police, reallocating funds to things that actually matter, that don't actually kill people, and then... That actually prevents the crime. And then we need to we need to redress talking about crime because crime, the way we talk about crime, crime is socially constructed in a way that is it like first of all, my blackness is criminalized, my queerness is criminalized. We we can we can talk about harm, but in in terms of like crime, no, get the fuck out. <laughs> I do think there's some groups that need to stay in prison. And so I'm not for the full abolition of prisons. Do I think that maybe we should relook at what's criminalized? Yes. But no, I do think there's a benefit to having prison systems for people who have like the more serious offenses, like rape, murder, pedophilia. But they don't. So we're not saying those people won't have places to go to. Where well, where are your suggestions? Because a lot of times people speak up and just say they want to abolish, but they don't have a dollar to spend on taxes or a bucket to put in fire. We need to recreate the system, and recreating it is saying no more prisons because all a prison is is a place to put people who do crimes in there is no real some places may enact programs to reform many yeah, do like, not like north there's like the northern west part of our country they have really good reform systems my only issue is like and this might be contrarian to most and i i'm i'll say it 10 times down on this i think there should be some sentences where you don't get out where you stay there because at a certain point if you cannot abide by societal rules and be a decent person and not harm others or like drug charges are one thing or i don't think drug charges should be held up so you're talking about like acts of wild or extreme violence typically that, 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 or, that does those, not that does not even or uh, if you have or if you're in some cases i think a lot of people want everybody out of prison they're like oh the prison the school to prison pipeline whatever 
But sometimes it's like at some point you can't blame the system for why you're in there. You're in there because you know what you did. No, no, we no, we can blame the system for why people are in there. We can I think we have a society of people who don't want to hold themselves accountable for anything. So I think abolishing police is just like another scapegoat of like, hey, it's, it's but that's not, not what's happening. It's all. looking it's looking at these situations within law that there is nuance and that a person doesn't just go and make a crime with without without these societal influences leading them that way. There's some people a who lot of just honestly enjoy it. There's a reason why we have rape. The reason is because we have a we have rape culture in America, and that's the reason why people feel the need. And second of all, this whole conversation about rape and prison the police, it doesn't even it doesn't even equate because but I'm saying your blanket really, statement literally clarification have, was that you said abolish police. So I'm responding to Wait, so wait, 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 wait. We had a whole movement about Me Too not even too long ago about people coming up about how they literally were assaulted and how nothing was done. And then we literally had people talk about how when we have a fucking Supreme Court justice who literally raped somebody and got, got to be in the Supreme Court justice. So even when we do have people like Brock Turner who come out and rape people, they get the men, they do not are they are not held accountable at all. But and there then, are instances when people and, are, and, and I'm saying is if you're calling for Apple as well, the police are also the people who are raping and assaulting and murdering people as well. And then when you get to prison, that cycle of violence is continued. And we the prisons are not helping anybody. People are not holding mm -hmm. prisons are not holding people accountable. And so when they serve their time and they get out. Nothing, nothing was restored. Nothing was transformed. Nothing was fixed or solved. And so you cannot expect when you say we need to put people in prison and they go to prison and they serve their time and they come out and they rape someone and people are, oh, I don't know why they raped. They went to prison because nothing was changed. And abolition argues for restructuring our entire society. We'll in Alabama saying, alone, there's seven programs where they work with people who are transitioning from prison to society. They give them mentors. They help them reestablish. I work with two. And they work to get these people back in society. I think the issue is it's never going to be enough for the people who always feel like they're under attack. No offense. I think it's kind of dumb to want to dissolve police when knowing if you were in harm's way, who's the first person you're going to call? The only, reason why we, the, the only reason why we call the police is because it is our only option. And it's the only option that people will offer to us when there are other ways to address harm. Well, we give can't help example, it that the only option that y'all give us is so the police, a whole system of people that was founded on white supremacy, founded in slavery. Policing literally came from slavery, and it was the transcendent to modern policing that we know. Oh, hey, hey, Aaron, 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 Aaron. I, I think it's... Let's, let's slow the ball real quick. So what Terry's asking, what are the alternative solutions that we can create yes. that will ensure that the population is still safe, that people who who can be harmful, who are typically mentally ill, may I add, to a large degree, um, what would happen is we would re-regulate where people would go. Looking at the nuances of the situation, if this person is not safe for the community because of mental health and such as like a serial killer, typically they're not mentally well. Yes, they're making their choice. But again, if their mental state is not the same as you and I, then they're not judging the situation on the same moral compass or the same rationale level that you and I have. They will go to a place for those specific types of people that would help treat their psychiatric needs, but also keep them away from society. They will be treated humanely. Even though, yes, their acts are heinous, that doesn't mean we should act heinous back. That doesn't solve the problem. Clearly hasn't. We've had death row for who knows how long and crime still happens. So we put those people in that place. There will be, if a person 
does make an egregious action that harms other groups of people through whatever act of violence or act of dishonesty, they will have a location that they will go to that is structured different than the prison, the way prisons work. They will be, they will be given the ability to restore the justice, that, the injustice that they've done to the people that they harm, but also transform and reform themselves if possible. If not, they would be kept there. So we're not saying we're abolishing a place for people who are causing harm to go. We're not doing that. We're abolishing the prison, which is a system. And that system is harmful and doesn't solve the problems. And then also with that, we are going to invest money in creating yeah, either improving our new, our systems of mental health, education, resource access, money and food access, job access, shelter access. But we'll also be creating new jobs, new facilities dedicated to trying to not only inter, intervene from further crime from occurring, but also preventing it. If we want crime to be lowered, crime will never be completely destroyed, but or what we call crime currently, we'll probably reword it by that point because of the baggage, but like we want to lower it as low as possible. And societies have proven they could do it. In ancient history, we have societies that have proven to do it. In modern times, we have societies proven to do it. We can do this. I do think in the efforts of abolition, this was something that I had issues in the beginning, is the people who are talking about it typically are regurgitating things and they're not actually talking about the solutions that come with the idea of abolition. Okay. And yeah, that's someone my that issue. feels skeptical, that would make you feel a little hesitant. It's like, do you have a solution that follows the ethics that you're saying, but that will also keep people safe? And I think with if abolition caught on as popular, those solutions are going to be made. People are already working on thinking of and engineering new ways of approaching um, violence and dishonesty and harm done in society. We will ensure that there is an avenue for, for those things to be addressed, justice restored, and keeping people safe. But it'll be without using excessive violence. There will be a group of people, for example, whose job would be intervening in a violent situation. There, it wouldn't it would be as like the police, but different because they'll be operating on a different code of ethics using more research, more humane approaches to dealing with those situations. Also, again, like police, uh, policing is like 20 different jobs occurring at once. That is just not practical. And even my brother, who's a cop, is really saying this is too much. They're expecting us to do all of these different services from one source. And I'm like, yes, that is one of the root issues. We should not rely on one system to deal with these vastly different issues. And so we need to decentralize that and allocate it to specializations, facilities that are specializing in these particular needs, and that will also co-work together to address more nuanced situations. I truly believe that if we are to go forward with this, people who do have the foresight and who have an understanding of what you're worried about, Terry, will be there present to ensure that people are safe, justice will be ensured, but and even more importantly, that humaneness will be at the forefront of the choices made. Because the way, the way policing makes police think, and I'm saying this as someone 
who's directly connected to someone as a police. It makes them see the world in black and white. It makes people, it makes them look at quote unquote criminals with no nuance. They're like, they did wrong. They knew what they did. And that's it. And I don't, I, can, I agree with that my sister's a cop. She retires next year. I don't think in New York city. Oh, bless her. I don't think it's fair to look at humanity and not treat us for what we are. We are animals, advanced animals, but we are animals. And to pretend that environments don't influence how animals behave is ridiculous. It is a cornerstone bit of information in biology and in zoology. Animals, some animals will become more aggressive if their environment is more aggressive, if their needs are not met. If an animal's needs are met, if it feels safe, if it feels secure, if it feels supported in the environment it is in, deviancy from what we would consider pro-social or be- healthier behaviors will not occur. And so when me and Aaron are talking about like society, the reason why we emphasize that is not to diminish that, yes, there is individual choice, but to look at human choice separate from environmental influence is erroneous. And this is a core, this is a core principle within my field of study in my field of work. Um, You know, human development family studies is studying to look at these major social systems and see how they influence family, individual development, how we think, how we react and how we get what we need. So what we need is a society and a system that looks at the world and at people with a deep, with more nuance and deeper level to it. We cannot, we can no longer approach justice and law with this black and white thinking because that's not real justice. That's ignoring information to satisfy someone's emotional reaction. And that's not what law is about. This isn't, this isn't, um, this isn't the Mesopotamian eye for an eye code of law. We are more advanced than that. So we can approach justice with more nuance. I hope this all made sense. Yeah, volume. Because it's not that I don't see, it's not that I don't see the bad things that police do. Believe me, I do. I just hate hearing, especially like coming from people who are supposed to be college educated. Um, most of the time, these arguments is everybody's like abolish police, but nobody actually has an actual plan, and so it's hard to support something without a clear outlook. I feel like it is intellectually dishonest, an intellectually dishonest argument to question and delegitimize abolitionists about like the solutions we can't even get to those solutions first until we actually understand how violent prisons and policing are before we even get to like what's the solution we have to first of all figure out like okay this is why we need to even first of all have these solutions and if anyone who's listening who actually wants to hear this stuff there's a special episode about abolition that talks about solutions and black bro it's like one of season two i think so go listen to that if you listen to that but additionally people who delegitimize abolitionist arguments about like not having solutions doesn't make any sense to me because saying that like we it like what will happen to all these other people the current system that we have now is not stopping and preventing murders rapists crimes and all these other things at all so i don't understand why we even have to go through this mental gymnastics of well this is like not explaining like, what is happening when the current system itself is not even like actually doing anything good at all. So it's, it's like not because for it's for the to make think you're okay. safe. Well, for the majority <laughs> of people who haven't experienced those fears, 
or aren't experiencing the same outcome, I do think it does a disservice to not explain that thoroughly. Because some of us, like myself included, have not experienced negative interactions with police or don't have the innate fear of them. It just comes across, especially when you're not getting as much information about what the abolitionist movement stands for. It just comes across and gets often gets looped in with people just being like, I don't want accountability. I just want a free, I want a free nation where we can all go free. And for some people who haven't had to negative impact of like the police movement and like have bad police experiences, it just comes across as like, well, what is this? this is not a well thought out thing. Sure, and no, while no, I, no. I applied the pop, I applied your passionate about being an abolitionist. I do think it is fair to question and want to know, want to see like, Hey, what are the solutions being thought about? Mm-hmm. You don't want to blindly support. I think there is valid validity in saying, like from Aaron's standpoint, that this an idea is worth exploring, even if I don't have all the answers. But it is also worth stating that for like, let's take Alabama for example, the common populace is not exposed to these ideas of abolitionism, and they haven't had time to talk to professionals who study this concept, who've engaged with both sides of the fence. They haven't been exposed to that and they need that knowledge. And if we do want to have any true movement or reform or change in our country and its culture towards um, the law, I think that will be an important step that we do need to educate people and give real answers. And I think right now abolitionism is at this point where they're still studying and they, they, they are, they've already seen a good 25% of the road. So they have a good idea of what's happening. We just don't know all the horrors that are happening. And they're busy trying to study that and understand how they're all connected and how they work with each other. And I think like that leaves the other people not knowing where are we in this process? Like, what what are we talking about? Um, I think more transparency, more public speaking, more active engagement with regular lay communities, rural communities. Um, more conservative communities with these topics will help aid bridge that confusion because that's kind of the reaction I had with, you know, like Aaron and Lance and the discussion on communism. Like the idea sounded great, but like, where's the practical plan to this? And Aaron push has been pushing me to look for the more detailed plans that people who are more professional have already laid down and that stuff is there. We just got to get this information just like with communism with the abolition idea, um, we need to get that information out to people so they can see the practical, the practical and applicative aspect of this idea. Okay, before we move on to the next topic, I would just like to say that ab- legitimate abolitionists, they do thoroughly explain, it just takes the effort to pick up a book um because they thoroughly do explain like and it, abolition is not new it didn't just happen like when george floyd died like i recommend anyone who wants to start to literally just read anything that angela davis has written that's like the go-to person so th- that's just well that being said. I, I will be looking yeah. at this from the perspective of like from someone who completely has no idea what we're talking about also, which would typically be lower income people, people not with many mm-hmm. access to large amounts of books, um, may not know where to look on the internet. Um, that's where us, I do say if we're- That is not at the fault of abolition. Well, oh, I know, I know. Nobody's saying is it just, is. This is just the natural no, that way that you, 
this is just the natural process that new ideas happen or form. And I would say us as those us who support abolition, we should be more readily available to explain these ideas. Because there, even though I can send someone to read a book, there is nothing more impactful than talking to a person. And for someone who may feel hesitant or critical or skeptical or unsure about these random books and internet information, talking to a real person who can give real life experiences, who can show exactly how they could integrate their life experiences into this information helps give the motivation and sense of safeness to people who are completely new to the idea to be able to step into the door and then look further. Josh, um, these abolitionists start out as community organizers. They already start out as people who are working grassroots, talking to their communities. The academia doesn't even like abolition. It does not like it like at all. Oh, yeah, not at all. they don't. Most of the people who are abolitionists, they start out as like small group, community grassroots organizing. And the reason why I said that abolition is, um, what did I say? Um, aren't at fault. Uh, yes, are not at fault at that is because I understand that everyone has access to like, of course, like Andrew Davis's book, whatever. But people who delegitimize abolition, they regularly present this argument that there is little to no information about it out there or that abolitionists do not take the time to explain their ideas and thoughts. It takes a lot to explain how to restructure an entire system. And what people really want, what well, this is what people really want, they want a cookie cutter list of like, how you, how what, what do we replace with prisons? It's not just an easy answer. It's like, we take this out and plug this in as something else. Like, it's not Legos. You can't just like plug and chug stuff in. It's a really complicated, reimagining of society and i feel like a lot of times because it's so complicated to explain it's not just plug and chug and you can't just give a cookie cutter list to how do we restructure a society that is literally based around punishment and carceral and violence that when people don't get their immediate status their immediate like answer they're turned off by it but i don't think that that is at the fault of abolitionists and I, I mean, we just got done talking about a whole segment about how Republicans are trying to ban Black Lives, uh, a specific uh, unit in AP African American Studies because it was dealing with Black Lives Matter and specifically dealing with abolishing prisons. So that's mm -hmm. another instance in which it was. There are definitely social currents pushing it against, against it, stopping it from being able to be so accessible on the social level of like society. Um, and I think that's why it's important for people like us. We can't maybe explain all the ideas, but we can definitely set down the um, informational foundation to give them the first start, an idea of what's going on, and then what the resources to look at for it, and be a person present that if they have questions as they're exploring to come to. Um, I, I, I will say that, I mean, it's understandable that us, who are trying to change everything, we feel we feel the crunch of time at the moment. A lot of things are happening that are scary and terrifying. But in a month that crunch of time and imminent danger, we do need to calm our bodies down in our process of explanation to allow an energetic safe space for people 
to feel safe to talk to us about it. Because a lot of people that I have seen talk about it, there is some hostility towards like, well, you can go ahead and do this and you can go ahead and do that on your own. I'm like, no, 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 no. Even, even the human mind cannot always just think past how we are reacting to just purely information we're providing. And we do need to be more tactful about how we approach it because the whole, what is the goal and the end goal of all of this? It's to change people. It's to reach them, even people that may seem almost impossible to be reached. And so to do that, we have to create and allow a safe space for that to occur. And there'll be people coming to us with misconceptions and presumptions. And that's okay. That happens when you have little information and you're surrounded in a society that's suppressing this information. And the best we can do is present it as openly and as connectively as we can and try to change the people around us. And the answer of like, maybe for our environment, we, we need more grassroots people in this state, particularly in our com uh, particular community that we are kind of referencing our experiences from to begin like uh, have more of us introducing this information to the public, to people, to have them start thinking. Okay. Well, we have to move on and, like I said before, there's a resource list in the episode, A Black Brew, called Designing Abolition. It has a whole bunch of, like, community organizing toolkits for people who want to organize their own individual communities around abolition. Okay, so, last night, mm -hmm. the Grammys happened. Mm -hmm. oh. Scammies. <laughs> <laughs> we all thought. Because she showed up. And y'all know Beyonce ain't showed up to the Grammys in a minute. Yup. I was under the impression. I said, well, this bitch is here. That means she's winning. That means Renaissance is winning album. There is no way. There is no motherfucking way that Renaissance is not going to lose album of the year. And what do you know? Trevor Noah announced that Harry Styles, Harry House, uh, album of the year. Um, How do y'all feel about, first of all, Disgusted. Beyonce but also about the Grammys or Scammies in general. I mean, Disgusted. who's out here listening? Like, I have, I might have heard one or two songs of Harry Styles on the radio. <laughs> that I, as it was song, listening, yeah. Who's listening to the whole album? <laughs> Is it really that many people that care? And why are they mostly white? Yeah, uh, I, like, it's, I feel like they just... It makes me sad every time they invite Beyonce to this damn show just to hurt her. Like, did you see in her face? She looked like she looked sad. She Adele looked, sad. looked betrayed. Didn't she leave? Didn't she leave? She got up and she walked away and then she came back. Like all I've heard in multiple different communities has been about Beyonce's album. Like top peak, even more than Taylor Swift's. Yep. Like good or bad, people all over are giving opinions on this new album. Since it came out, I haven't heard shit about Harry Styles' album. So who who's doing the voting here? I heard more about Don't Worry, Darling, than I heard about the poor man's album. You are correct. I feel like if I had... I, I, I wanted Beyonce to win, but if Beyonce had to lose, I wish she would have lost to Bad Bunny. Because yeah. I don't... They literally said they literally set up the Grammys at the very beginning, because uh, Bad Bunny performed at the very beginning, about how he literally... 
is like the has been the number one streaming artist like forever right now and like he is sold like global like global so i don't understand how we got harry's house which sounds like a porno film <laughs> i don't understand how we, how we got how did we get that over Renaissance? And I don't understand how y'all can nominate Beyonce for fucking urban and fucking R and B and all this shit, and y'all can nominate and you let her win. You let her win those quote unquote black categories, but then you get this this mediocre mediocrity. Get up on stage and have the nerve, the audacity, the gumption, the unmitigated gall to be like, mm, "This doesn't happen. This doesn't happen for people like me often." Yeah, that line pissed me off. And then people were trying to justify it, saying, well, he might be referring to the fact that, like, for coming from a boy group or stuff, I was like, did y'all forget Justin Timberlake exists? Like, there's no, way to t- there's no way to take this statement and spin it. Like, I was very confused. <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> I was very confused. Is he and- really that disconnected from reality? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Have you seen the way he dresses? Come on. I got mad when somebody compa- compared his fashion to David Bowie. I said that man's rolling over in the grave. Y'all are wrong. They compare him to David Bowie, to Fer- Freddie Mercury, Mick Jagger, and Mick Jagger, Elton John. They, they, the Ooh. entire glam rock world in the eighties. <laughs> They're like mid. We haven't had someone do this. We've had plenty of y'all had Adam Lambert. Y'all had Adam Lambert. I'm just saying, they had Adam Lambert and it was phenomenal. And all I gotta say is Sam Smith be doing the similar things as Harry Styles and he gets, they get hate for it. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they really do. They're chubby. And gay. Yeah. First of all, let me tell you something. Uh, Sam Smith's Instagram photos, they, they be posting. Mm, I'm not gonna say I've masturbated to one, but I have. Smith <laughs> <laughs> a little thick on they don't got a little thick, yeah. Okay. Um, also, Lizzo won Record of the Year, which we found out via Twitter that she was the first Black woman to win that award since Whitney Houston won it in oh, wow. 94 when Whitney Houston won for... I can't remember what the song. I think it was... I can't remember the song, but it was Whitney Houston was the last one who won that award, and it was in the 90s when she won it. So I want to play her speech because her speech, which included... A shout out to Beyonce, because I'm going to tell you right now, if I ever accept a war and Beyonce's in the room, but it just ain't about me. This is about the queen. So let's let's play her. Um, her I uh, mean, Beyonce helped form Lizzo from childhood. Here we go. Okay, I don't know how you pick one of them, but the Grammy goes to Lizzo for about that Me and Adele are having a good time just enjoying ourselves, just rooting for our friends. So this is an amazing night. This is so unexpected. Um, okay, now that I'm up here and I'm calm, I want to dedicate this award to Prince. Um, when we lost Prince, I decided to dedicate my life to making positive music. And um, <laughs> I was like, I don't care if my positivity bother you, what's wrong with you? And this was at a time when positive music and feel-good music wasn't mainstream at that point. And I felt very misunderstood. I felt on the outside looking in. But I stayed true to myself because I wanted to make the world a better place. So I had to be that change to make the world a better place. Um, (laughs) And now 
I look around and there's all these songs that are about loving our bodies and feeling comfortable in our skin and feeling fucking good. I'm just so proud to be a part of it because in a world where there's a lot of darkness and a lot of scary shit, <laughs> um, I'd like to believe that not only can people do good, but we just are good. We are good inherently. And anybody at home who feels misunderstood or on the outside looking in like I did, just stay true to yourself because I promise you, you will find people, you will attract people in your life who believe in you and support you. I wanna thank y'all for believing in me and supporting me. Blake and Ricky Ray, producers of this record. Nice Life Atlantic, Julie Craig, Full Stop, Kevin Alana, Team Lizzo, my team. my last time up here, Beyonce. In the fifth grade, I skipped school to see you perform. <laughs> she got me out of school. It was literature. I'm good. And um, where are you at, Beyonce? My eyes are wet. <laughs> you changed my life. You, you sang that gospel medley, and the way you made me feel, I was like, I want to make people feel this way with my music. So thank you so much. You clearly are the artist of our lives. I love you. God bless y'all. We got a fucking Grammy! <laughs> okay. So... I love her. Her energy is unmatched. I know. And she... I'll... I love Lizzo because Lizzo started out as one of us. Yeah. Just some band nerd playing the flute. Decided to make mu some music, rapping and whatnot. And then suddenly she just bloomed out of nowhere. Is she? I mean, she's a real person. I think a lot of people forget that when they try to critique her. It's like, she was one of us. I don't, I don't think she came for money. No. I could... So, like, we need to keep in mind that when she speaks, it is genuine. And with that in mind, it should inspire us. Are y'all going to watch the Grammys next year? No. No. I mean, I never do. I just watch the performances on TikTok or on YouTube. I don't watch it either. I, I, first of all, listen. I was watching The Last of Us, first of all. And then I Oh, wait, no spoilers. <laughs> and I was it's like, so good. I was like, ooh, the Grammys are on. And then, then like, I was like, I ain't gonna watch it because it, it is what it is. But then I saw people on Twitter saying Beyonce was gonna be there. So that's why I turned it on. And, oh, did y'all... Well, I don't know. You said y'all didn't watch. Y'all so Did y'all see the 50 years of... 50th anniversary of hip-hop? I heard it was lit. I heard it, it was, was lit. so good. But you know what people were saying. What? Why was Nicki Minaj not included in the 50th anniversary of hip hop? She's a legend. No, she's okay. Um, no, never mind. Lord. She's a, <laughs> <not saying anything. laughs> She's a pop rapper. She doesn't even cover the majority of the Wait a minute. Thank you. Let's, let's, let's address that, T, because listen, I was, I was regularly looking at the winners list and the nominations list and shit like that. Wasn't Nicki Minaj supposed to have been nominated in the pop category? Because why was she not even nominated? Well, she pissed off somebody at the Grammy thing a few years ago, so she'll never be nominated. 
Okay, so was that just a rumor that people were spreading that she? Mm -hmm. So you so can tell me the whole Nicki Minaj versus Lotto Twitter beef, which Lotto was actually nominated, was literally so fucking unnecessary because Nicki wasn't even nominated to begin Because with. you submit your music into certain categories and the Grammys tells you what category your music will qualify for if uh, you were to be nominated. And she okay. got heated. But also, I'm going to be very fucking for real with this woman. Sit down. Your yeah, husband's yeah. a pedophile. You can't even get in there. There's probably children present. So sit down. There were. Olivia Rodrigo was there, so. so sit down, man. Like, I cannot, I can, my disdain for this woman, like, Lyrically, I love Nikki at the beginning of her of her career. I'm so frustrated as to what she's become now that I don't think she deserves any Grammys currently. Back then, when she was under like Little Wayne and all them, yes. But currently, I mean, y'all, he was a freaky girl. That song was not good. It was not good. It was not good. Super her freaky girl was not good. Now I miss but Roman's revenge, Nicki Minaj. I do too. Like, when she came out with Megatron, I thought it was going to be something that hit hard. When you name a song Megatron, yeah. you think it's going to hit hard like Roman style. No. It's basic. And I was like, I, I don't like you, honey. Go somewhere else. When do y'all think she ch like? When do y'all think she changed from like... Because I feel like for me, Nicki Minaj stopped being like someone I listened to when she like... I guess, for lack of a better word, started to have like... for. When she changed her hair color to be a natural hair color, oh, uh, I was thinking when she did the song with Six Nine. That's how I was like, "Oh, baby, you wash, you're done." Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, with a rapist, oh, no, ma'am. <laughs> but then she dated one, married, and now one. she's married to one. So, oh, oh. so standards have always been low. Clearly, yeah. She said, "I'm enough money. Let me show you all the fuck shit I'm on." And I guess we lucky saw she, she fucked, lucky dude. She fucked around right and found out. Bitch has all this money and she still chooses to lick the floor. Ooh, like, John! Oh, John! And I was gagged. Okay, wait. John! The shade of it all. But, like, it pisses me off because, like, Nicki Minaj, it's not like if we're looking at the history of rap, yes, she's up there, but I don't think that she's as pivotal as the women that came before her and the women coming after her. And if she's gracious enough and humble enough to acknowledge that, then yeah, I would advocate. Yeah, get your awards because you know your niche and you're sticking to it. But she, sorry, I had a burp, but I was trying to do it off the off my microphone. Um, she's so combative with everybody and so miserable that I like seeing her genuinely happy and celebrate to get this award would feel like she didn't earn it because she didn't earn anything. So she, so it was people said that she was not there, and they also said that Lil' Kim was not there. And so the reason that this got real controversy was because people were saying that women were not represented in this, like, anniversary tribute. But, like, Queen, Queen Latifah. There was Queen Latifah. There was Missy Elliott. There was Salt and Peppa. There was Glorilla. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, it's also, like, generational from, like, old-ass shit all the way to, like, the very newest shit. So... I say like I mean, were there more male rappers than female rappers yes but i mean are there more female male rappers in the world than female rappers probably so so sorry so like, i consider the history of this genre so i don't know i just yeah so harry styles to end this uh segment since we're a, a little bit over an hour um oh, wow. harry Styles, harry girl um harry styles that wet rat he <laughs> 
uh, said in his speech that there is no best in music. This is what he said when he accepted the war speech. Now, in my opinion, I feel like if you say that, that's just you admitting that you don't think you deserve the war. I don't understand what's the point of having an award show if there's no best in music because aren't you awarding the best in that category? So what are you like? And what are y'all like? What is gonna happen after this? Th like this? Like I was talking to Zan. This is Beck all over again. Yes, because who the fuck was Beck? I still don't know. <laughs> I still don't know. <laughs> I don't even know who y'all talking about. <laughs> but you know who Beyonce is, don't you? Absolutely. Back one over Beyonce. Y'all can't tell me Lemonade and Renaissance did not deserve album of the year. Go to Lemonade hell. Lemonade still deserves awards, and I'm I'm so upset. Go to hell, Grammy. I still listen to Lemonade. Like, you know, don't hurt yourself. It's my, my anthem. Life. I I love Don't Hurt Yourself. Like the best. It's so. just I I just I feel like why and then somebody tweeted I don't know how accurate this was but Ryan Destiny she's from um Star. She tweeted, retweeted where somebody's talking about um one of the members, the jurors of the Grammy committee said that they intentionally didn't vote for Beyonce like two of them did because they feel like she always gets praise. But she That's never the And I'm like, so would you do this if it wasn't a black female artist breaking boundaries? I but mean she, I thought this awards was about noting the people who who are making the strides and being noticed by the public. Yeah, because they award white over black excellence. This isn't the Underground Music Awards. <laughs> Ain't that the Soul Train Awards? <laughs> 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 I think that's what I really think that's what it was for. <laughs> oh my god. What's the BET Awards? <laughs> oh, let's not do that. Let's not, let's not. The BET Awards scares me and I'm at home. I'm <laughs> The BET <laughs> is wild. That shit is wild. But you know, Beyonce don't go down no more either. No, she don't. She did that. That, she did, that was um, her last before. That was her last. She did Freedom before. with um Kendrick Lamar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. God damn, poor Beyonce. I know. I hate when people play in her face. Like she didn't like create a whole generation of, of people who love and follow the music from Destiny's Child to now. Like to have that type of recognition, and now she has the most Grammys ever. Are you kidding me? Generational from the 90s to now, she yep. is still going on. Many people who were in her like sphere at the time of her youth hype, most of them are gone. Yeah, I'm sorry, God's like Gaga kind of goes in and out, <laughs> in and out. And I guess to truly end this, I'm not gonna play the clip because I don't feel like finding it, but Beyonce thanked us. She thanked the queer community in her acceptance speech for one of whatever songs she won, whatever grammar she won. It was one of three. I think it was the very last one that she won. She said, I want to thank the queer community for your love, your, I think she said acceptance. And then she said, and for inventing the genre. She thanked us. She thanked us. And so that's why I'm very pissed off about Harry Styles because Beyonce, this bitch actually had fucking black queer people in her music writing it uh producing it engineering it uh vocals all of this shit and harry styles is like mm, i'm not queer but i'm gonna wave a flag i'm going to just i'm going to i'm going to perform in the illusion of queerness <laughs> not the illusion <laughs> yes 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 darling oh all right God. anything oh else God. to say about the 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 scammies <laughs> that they'll scam again next year we're running out of artists to pretend to like 
Okay, y'all. We will see you next time on a new episode of Black Brew. Um, yeah. So see you next week and goodbye. Bye. Please don't forget that there is a special episode of Black Brew called Designing Abolition, which details arguments, counter-arguments about police and prison abolition, as well as it provides a resource list to community organizers, grassroots organizers, and activists wanting to enact abolition into their own communities. Mm-hmm.